Thank you so much, Pastor Levi. So appreciate uh, your heart. And uh, he just makes the announcement that you're going right down to be with the kids. <laughs> um, so he's not going to hear me say this, so I can say things about him. But uh, uh, so appreciate his heart for the next generation and the way that he is investing um, across the board um, in, in kids from three years old all the way to the oldest one here. And um, even just really encouraging um, this integration um, for, for our youth, um, seeing them as, especially after they've made that decision to follow Christ um, and they're baptized, like seeing them as, hey, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you're a part of this church family, this church, but just the same on the same levels the rest of us. And so he actually encourages them. And you'll see this, like even when you walked in today, like they're greeting and serving. Um, um, it's, it's just really, really humbling. And so um, he pushes me in that direction as well. And so I'm really thankful for him and, and the direction um, of our of our youth ministry, I was sitting there thinking as he was going over, like, yeah, we have a biblical and then, you know, theological and practical. I was like, man, when I was, cause I grew up in the church, like, I was in a classroom, like, listening to cucumbers sing about hairbrushes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like the, this cucumber can't find his hairbrush. And I'm like, and like, parents, like, what did you learn today? It's like, well, man, Larry, he's, he's in trouble. You know, he can't brush his hair. Um, and up here, it's like, oh, theological, but I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what's wrong with so many of us. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just maybe a thought, but um, anyway, nothing to say. VeggieTales is great, okay? Uh, <laughs> so I'm not bashing. Just a joke. Just a joke. Um, all right, well, again, uh, good morning. Uh, I've already said this, but if you're new with us uh, today, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we, we just started... Uh, the, the book of Second Peter last week. Uh, we made it through the first four verses together, and today we, we continue in that journey. Um, here at FEC, uh, we love to work through uh, books of the Bible, just, just working through them uh, line by line, because we believe that every single word of Scripture is, is living and acting and, and breathing and has the ability to, to transform your life. And so that's what you're going to see us do uh, through the duration of this teaching series in Second Peter. Okay? So that's where we're headed today, just to give you a little heads up if you're, if you're new. Well, uh, let, me, let me ask you before I jump into the text today, let me ask you a question. Have you, have you ever run into somebody before? Uh, maybe this person, like you haven't seen them for, for a while, and they say this to you. They, they tell you this. They say, um, you haven't changed one bit. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, you would typically, typically, uh, take that as a compliment, right? Uh, like, uh, if you haven't see- seen someone for like five or, or ten years, okay, a lot of us are living overseas, and so, you know, maybe you go back, and you meet that person, you haven't seen that family member, that friend, like, wow, like, you haven't changed a, a, a bit. That's usually a, a good thing. Okay. Or, or, you know, sometimes on, on social media, this is getting more and, and more popular in different ways, but on social media, you'll see these like pop-ups come up on your, like, your news feed. Facebook does this. Instagram has started doing it as well. Um, but what it'll do is it'll come up with this picture. Uh, it's like a memory. Um, and it'll show you or, or something from like this day, like three years ago or five years ago or, or ten years ago, something like that. 
Um, I remember uh, just uh, a couple years back, maybe it was even two years ago, um, a, a really close Korean pastor, a friend of mine, uh, sent me one of those. You know, he forwarded me one of those. It was a picture um, of the, the two of us, very close up picture of the, the two of us when I first moved to Korea. And he sends me this message, um, and then he, he says to me, you've changed a lot. <laughs> And he, and he especially, I'll never forget, he especially very straightforward here in Korea. Like, you've gained weight, you've lost weight, whatever. Very straightforward if you, if you didn't know. Okay? No emotion to it, just it's a fact. <laughs> you've lost weight, which can be good or bad, actually. Or you've gained weight, which could be good or bad. You have to have the nunchi to discern that. Okay? Um, but he said, especially commenting on my hair, he's like, pastoring has made you gray. That's what he said to me. You've changed a lot. Um, we changed the color on the video to make that not the See, it's still brown, but you can see a little gray in there now and then. Pastor, uh, pastoring ages you like a president. Um, you know, I would have much rather heard him say, uh, wow, it's been like eight years, hasn't it? Like and you haven't changed at all. Like, you know, I would have much rather have him say that. But now listen. If someone were to, to say that uh, about your, your spiritual life, that, that would actually be a, a problem. Like if, if you're a follower of Jesus and, and you were to just say, meet Jesus, okay, run into Jesus. If that happens, let me know. But that were to happen to you. And he looked at you and kind of, you know, kind of assessing you. And he said, you haven't changed at all. You haven't changed one bit. That would be pretty upsetting, wouldn't it? See, our, our faith in Christ should lead us to growth in Christ's likeness. And our passage today is really a wake-up call for us to do just that, to grow in his likeness. Honestly, it's actually it's very hard to overstate how much emphasis the Apostle Peter is putting on you and I to grow in godliness. Uh, We'll get much deeper into this in a moment, but in verses 8 through 10, he tells us some of the reasons why we should be growing in godliness or Christ-likeness. So, for example, he says, if you're not growing, you are unfruitful, ineffective, Or he says, uh, you're not actually not confirming your calling. Or perhaps worst of all, Peter says, if you're not growing in your faith, if you're not growing in godliness, then you don't have assurance today of entering into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to know, as, as we go into today, it's important for us to know that the stakes here are extremely high. This matters a lot. That for all of us who claim to belong to Jesus, we should be, need to be, progressing in spiritual maturity. Now, uh, if you weren't with us last week, uh, Peter told us in verses 3 through 4, all that God has done for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He, he says to us that God has given us, he's granted to us, divine power. 
that he has actually called us to himself. And therefore, we have all that we need. We have everything that we need for a joy-filled life and for godly living, for walking in godliness. He says, we have the power of God in us and with us. We have the promises of God, which lead to great hope. And we have right standing with God again, not because of anything that we have done, but because of everything that Jesus has done. And what we also said last week is that this progression here is actually how the New Testament teaches us about spiritual growth and the life of a Christian. And so understand, we we have these things about us as followers of Jesus that are true of us. Things like we have been made righteous. And then because we have been given these things or or granted these grace-filled gifts, because our, our nature, our status, our position has changed, there is a certain way now that you and I are, are called to live. That in light of what God has done, in light of the, the status and standing and position that you and I have now in Christ, in light of the power that is ours, we are now to make every effort to grow in Christ likeness. And let me just say this as well, that from the very beginning here, this, this growing in Christ's likeness has nothing to do with us earning our standing before God. It's, this is not about earning our salvation, but rather growing in godliness is now what we actually want. It's what you and I who are in Jesus, it's what we now desire as people who have experienced the grace, the mercy, the peace, and the love of Jesus. So hear me, hear me today. We should never, never envision the Christian life as a person saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus. And then following that up with an apathetic, stagnant life. The Christian life following Jesus should include growth. Always growth. Always. And that's what Peter is laying out for us today in our passage. And so let's look at this passage together. It's extremely rich in its content, but we're going to simplify it today uh, as a way to help us learn, uh, to simplify this passage today, First Peter, or sorry, Second Peter, uh, chapter one, verses five through eleven, we're going to simplify it into three essential words, three key words, and that is this: effort, effectiveness, and entrance. Okay, we're going to look at these three ideas of effort, effectiveness, and entrance. Peter will tell us to actually pursue these godly virtues. He's then going to give us reason why we should want to grow in these virtues. And then he's going to tell us what we look forward to as we grow in these godly virtues. And so first of all, uh, we'll look at this idea of effort. We're just going to break them down one by one. First one, effort. As we look at our text today, starting in verse 5, we are struck immediately, immediately by this whole list of virtues, right? And it's a pretty long list. 
There are eight of them, actually. But before we, we do look at them, um, I, I want to say some, some guiding principles or give us some gra- uh, guiding thoughts just so that we don't under- misunderstand what Peter's saying. So first of all, uh, we shouldn't think of this list we're about to enter into as all the virtues that are. Okay, we shouldn't look at this as like, oh, these are all the Christian virtues. Um, these are the things, the only things that I should be aspiring to as a follower of Jesus. Instead, okay, we should think of these as important issues that are relevant to the context of Second Peter. And in a lot of ways, relevant to our lives, of course. So, for example, we know elsewhere in the scriptures that patience is a virtue. Okay? But you're not going to see patience listed in these virtues or characteristics of a follower here. Secondly, uh, as we read through these virtues, I don't think that we should think of them as being sequential. Okay? What, I, what I mean by that is, um, these are not like in any particular order, kind of. Okay, I'll say that, talk about that in just a second. So it's not like, okay, first you're called to work on self-control. And just focus on self-control, figure that out, and then after you've figured out or solved self-control, then you move on to steadfastness. That's not what Peter's saying here. That's not how this works. But at the same time, I do think it's significant that Peter starts with faith, you see on this list, and he ends with love, you'll see at the end of that list. And why? Well, because we know that being a follower of Jesus starts by faith in Jesus, And and with that, we know that the crowning virtue of a follower of of Jesus is love. And so, in the life of a Christian, there is this idea that we are ascending, all of us are ascending into this uh, all-important virtue of love, greater and greater and greater into love, experiencing his love and giving out his love. Or, to put that more simply, Faith, we know, is the beginning, but love is the goal. Okay, I'd say it that way. In the Christian life, faith is the beginning. It's the starting point, but love is the goal. And so if you're not a Christian here today and you're asking yourself, how do I begin the Christian life? It's simple. It's by faith. And what is God doing in your life as you walk with Jesus? Well, we're seeing here he's going to be producing these qualities or virtues within us, especially love. So with that in mind, notice here how Peter goes about teaching us. This is verse 5. He says this, For this very reason, that is to say, in light of all I've just said to you before about about God giving us everything that we need for godliness, in light of the reality that we have been made new, that we are transformed in Christ, we are new creations. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Make every effort, Peter says. Now, we are a church that loves to talk about God's grace. I don't know if there's ever been a sermon that I've done in the last three years where I don't at least say the word, okay? Grace. We rejoice in God's grace. We see salvation as a gift of grace. 
And so some of us, on hearing even that word effort, might be a little bit uncomfortable with that terminology. But we, we shouldn't be. Peter himself is actually very fond of this word. In chapter 1, verse 10, we, re- we read this during the worship, he said this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. That's the same Greek word for effort. Be diligent to confirm your calling and election. Make every effort, he says. Or in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, Beloved, since you are waiting for these, be, here it is again, diligent. Be diligent to be found by him, by Christ, without spot or blemish. And so there's this idea here with Peter of of spiritual sweat, let's say it that way, Um, of of spiritual energy, of, of effort here. And so think of it this way. Hopefully this will help you. Earning, the word earning, is a bad word in the Christian life. It's a bad word. Don't use the word earning. Why? Because you and I can't earn squat. Okay? We can't earn anything. But, but effort is a very important word. In fact, a lot of the terms associated with spiritual growth in the New Testament carry on this idea or feeling of effort. So, for example, we read of running, right, or striving or wrestling, which, of course, takes effort. Or we even see uh, an illustration of boxing in the New Testament when it comes to our spiritual growth. And this effort that we're speaking of here, it isn't like a a one-time thing. It's actually an ongoing thing in the life of a believer, in other words, we can't just start, start off strong and then not finish well. I heard someone once say, a pastor once say, he said, when it comes to spiritual growth, you cannot live on yesterday's godliness. When it comes to spiritual growth, you cannot depend on yesterday's victories. Every single day, we need to be putting forth effort to grow in Christ's likeness. And so, this actually needs to become a, a posture of our hearts. That, that we, we are convicted that we must put forth effort to grow in godliness. Or Peter says, we make every effort to supplement our faith. That word supplement there... Um, It's worth underlining or highlighting or circling, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. This word supplement, it's uh, it's an amazing word, and it's going to have a lot more meaning to you in like 20 minutes. Uh, But it's a, a word that means to provide at one's own expense. And so the idea here is that you are to invest, actually. Invest your time, your energy, and all of your resources into this thing. Uh, You don't coast, in other words, into Christ-likeness. You make every effort, all of your expenses, everything that you have, you put towards supplementing your faith, growing in your faith. And so this is meant to be a real wake-up call on what could become a very real danger for many Christians. Listen, I, I think we all know this. We, we could spend our entire day, or even worse, our whole lives, 
filling our minds and our hearts with so many competing voices in culture. So many other things are grasping for your time and your attention. And we can never, if we're not careful, we could drift into this life where we never really invest in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Right? Isn't it so easy to slip into seasons of apathy? Goodness, we, we do this. I don't know about you. I, I tend to do this all the time. Thank goodness, sometimes it's just for a day. Unfortunately, sometimes it's for a week. There's been other times there's been a month of seasons of just uh, apathy, stagnation. So Peter is saying to us here, wake up and invest. Put your time, your effort, and your energy into growing to be more like Jesus. And then with that, he lists off these qualities or characteristics. He says, so supplement your faith. That's, again, where everything starts. Believing in Jesus. Faith, we know, is the root of all spiritual fruit. And then he says, and add to faith virtue. It's a word that is most often translated as excellence. And and it carries the idea of moral excellence, by the way. We know that the Greeks, uh, at this time in particular, they used this term to speak of achievement and excellence in your profession. Okay, But Peter takes that word and he says, no, don't, don't concern yourselves with being excellent in your profession, at least not first and foremost. We do everything for the glory of God. Don't understand me. Don't misunderstand. He says, no, no, but be, be excellent in terms of your morality, in terms of your obedience to God. That's primary. That's first and foremost. So he says, add to your faith obedience or moral excellence, and to that virtue, add knowledge. Now, this is a slightly different word than what we saw last week in verse 2. Uh, last week in verse 2, uh, we saw that that word knowledge was more related to faith and being in a relationship with Jesus, being near to Jesus, right? But here, it's more about, it's more has the idea of, of growing in your ability to apply God's truth to your life. It carries the idea or the notion of discernment. It's it's in other words, it's knowing how to live a life for Jesus in your current context, wherever you work, shop, eat, live, play, right? It's, this is about knowing God's ways. It's about growing in your ability to discern God's will for your life. And then to that, he says, add self-control. Now, uh, this is a fruit or virtue that appears a lot of other places in the New Testament. It's all over it, actually. And it's mostly about being under control um, in regards to your tongue. Um, It's everything to do or mostly to do with what you say, or even maybe more than that, how you speak. Um, In Greek philosophy, it's the idea of being in control of your passions rather than being controlled by your passions. And I think this uh, virtue is repeated so many times throughout the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, because we can be a pretty out-of-control people, can't we? Like when we're uh, driving around Seoul and we get cut off, or you like face bad traffic, um, or let's just say, for example, you can't find a parking space, um, we can get pretty out-of-control, right? 
Or let's say, for example, I'm just pulling this one out of nowhere, but uh, you have this neighbor, say they live below you, and they're making all this noise literally all throughout the night. I think it was like 3 or 4 a.m. even. Um, and you get up and you start literally like stomping on the floor and you say out loud, I just want to like choke you out, right? Let's just say that that happened. Like this week. As you were preparing this sermon. I was so angry. <laughs> so angry. And then got here and, oh, so convicted. <laughs> Listen, we face all sorts of situations in which we are tempted to be out of control. And this is where we once again are reminded that we have power. We've been given power. We've been given the Holy Spirit so that we can live a controlled life, right? That means that we can actually put down the remote control. We can put away our our phones. We can be controlled in regards to what we eat. We can have control in regards to what we we drink. We can have balance when it comes to social media. Listen, we have the spirit in us and with us, meaning that we can grow in self-control. Well, then, to self-control, we're to add steadfastness. And this is a word that means to endure. Uh, A good way to think of this, it's to, to bear up under the face of difficulty, which would have been so important, so relevant to this group of people that Peter is writing to who are facing persecution, yes, but also inside all of these false prophets and false teachers. He's saying, endure through difficulty, push through trials, is what he's saying. And as a follower of Jesus, we know that we can do this, but not only can we do this, we can do this with hope, and we can do this with optimism, and we should. Because again, we have been given God's promises. That's what Peter has just told us back in verse 4. And and this means that we work through difficulty, we should work through difficulty, so different than our world and the people in our world. There should be a clear difference between how you face trials and how your neighbor or your coworker or your friend or your family member who doesn't know Jesus faces trials. It means that through trials, we're to have hope. James tells us we're to actually have joy in trials. Why? Because we know that whatever we are facing now, here on this earth, is not the end. It will not last. We can endure because the God of endurance is bringing us home to him. That's a promise. And then the last two qualities here both relate to love. We see here Peter wants us to grow in brotherly affection, and he also wants us to grow in love. Now, brotherly affection here, it has the idea of, of course, familial love. But more specifically, this is about being uh, tender-hearted. It has the idea of it, of the essence of being uh, warm, kind, uh, courteous. Uh, generous, actually. And then to that, okay, there's another side of this, to that, we're to add love. And at that, we see this chain of qualities ends. It ends with love. And again, the importance of that cannot be said enough. This love that, that Peter is talking about here, it's not just about nice, warm feelings. It's compassion that leads to action. 
It's compassion that leads to service. It's compassion that leads to sacrifice. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, this is remarkable. He says, the aim of our charge, the aim of our lives, our charge. And then after that, he could have said so many other things, right? But he says, the aim of our charge is love. Or in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that love is the most excellent way. Or in Colossians 3.14, he says, above all else, put on love, which binds everything together, all things together in perfect harmony. Or back to our author today, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Put effort towards loving people. Because why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You see, as followers of Jesus, we know, we know this, that God's love has been poured out onto us. And one of the primary reasons for that is so that we can then turn around and love. Jesus himself said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples. This is how the world will know that you follow me. Not by having a Christian t-shirt, not by putting a fish on the back of your car, but by how you love one another. So we must ask ourselves today, am I growing in love? Am I getting to know people? Am I putting effort towards that? Am I putting effort towards bearing others' burdens? Am I putting effort towards humbly serving Am I putting effort towards sacrifice, uh, sacrificially giving? Peter says, we have been given all that we need for godliness. And that looks like growing in these qualities here. Starting with faith, ending with love. So are you growing in these? Listen, I said this already, but I'll say it again. There is never a moment, never a moment in the Christian life where we should not be growing. Never. No matter who we are, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, we should grow. So put forth effort. And then Peter tells us what happens if we add these qualities or virtues to our lives. He says this in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, Peter says, that spiritual growth, what happens when you're growing in Christ-likeness, is that that will result in effectiveness, or a fruitful life. And that's the second key word that I see in this passage. There is effort, we talked about that, and that leads to, number two, effectiveness. Effectiveness. This phrase, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, shows us that there is a particular kind of effectiveness. Uh, There is a particular kind of fruitfulness that Peter wants us to have. And this, again, has everything to do with your spiritual life. He's not saying be fruitful in whatever. Be fruitful in your financial 401k plan. He's not saying that. He's saying... Be fruitful or effective in your spiritual life. Prioritize that. Everything else will follow. That when you're growing in these qualities, when you're growing in these virtues, 
It will make your spiritual life effective. You'll be an effective person. And it's interesting, that word ineffective, ineffective here, it's used a couple different times, a couple different places in the scriptures. But I think James chapter 2 helps us to understand Peter a lot more. It's an all-familiar verse. You remember, James writes that, uh, that faith without works is ineffective. Or faith without works, you could say, is useless. And so the point being again, again, that if we claim to be a disciple but are not bearing fruit, then we really actually, we really need to examine our faith. That we need to examine if we actually know Jesus, if we have knowledge of this grace, if we have knowledge of the person and work of Christ. Because if you do, if we truly do know him, we will put forth effort, put forth work. And in that, effectiveness or fruitfulness will follow. And then building on verse 8, Peter then says this in verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So Peter says here that the ineffective person is blind. It's harsh. (laughs) They're blind. And along with that, along with that, perhaps worse, they have forgotten about their conversion. He's saying that these people, that there are some who have willfully closed their eyes to the things that are important. And that, again, we've talked about some dangers. Here's another one. This is a real danger. To have our minds and our hearts taken away from the things in life that truly matter the most in life. To become blind to the spiritual direction of our lives. And look here, it it gets so bad that he says that these people have forgotten that their sins have been forgiven. By the way, this phrase... Uh, cleansed from his former sins. It's actually, um, it's a phrase that would have been familiar to the Jews listening that day because it's early language or an early phrase that was used in a person's baptism. And so most scholars believe that Peter is saying this here specifically to say, you've forgotten about your baptism. You've forgotten about the decision that you've made. You've forgotten that you put your faith and your hope and your trust trust in Christ because of what you said you believed about him. You've forgotten the cross. You've forgotten the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You forgot your salvation. See, for those who are in Christ, listen, our eyes are meant to be wide open to the things and the people around us. We are meant to be, should be, continually remembering who we once were and what Jesus has done. We recognize, should always, every day recognize, I am free. I have been forgiven. I have been made new. The pursuit of my life is to live on mission for him, to center my life on Christ. Everything I do is about him and for him. And that, in that understanding, that motivates us to want to grow, right? Out of deep love and gratitude for Jesus, 
we then strive to grow to be more like Jesus. Peter says that there are, lo- there are those of us who live like unchanged people. That there are people who have forgotten God's grace. Don't, don't be found there today. <laughs> and that leads to verses 10 through 11. The key word I see in this text is that word entrance, number three. Entrance. We've talked about effort. We've talked about effectiveness. And now we'll see Peter talk about this idea of entrance. I really hope, um, this is so important in the opening of Peter's second letter, verses 3 through 11. It's all connected. I hope now this is all making sense to you. I hope that you can see this whole flow of this, uh, this beautiful passage of Scripture now. It began in verse 3, that God has converted us, that he has given us, he called them to himself. He's, he's given us divine power. We, we have now, in Christ, experienced the, the promises of God and, and the gospel. And then, in light of that, we grow in Christ-likeness. And as we grow, we bear fruit. We are considered effective And then, for those of us who are growing and living effective lives, what Peter now shows us is that those people, those particular, that subset of people on this earth, they have this great assurance. An assurance that they will enjoy entrance into this eternal, he says, eternal kingdom. Look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent, there's that word effort, to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So verse 10 looks all the way back before the foundation of the world to God's election, which is God's choosing. And then verse 11 actually looks forward to the future. It's very poetic. It says, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gives us the beginning. He gives us the end. And so what are we called to do in the in-between? He says we are to be diligent to confirm our calling. So listen, those of us who, who grow in godliness confirm the fact that God has actually called them. They confirm the reality that God has set his love upon them. And how is it that we have this confirmation, uh, this assurance? Well, Peter tells us, he says that you confirm your calling and election by living in godliness, right? By practicing these qualities that we just discussed today. By growing in Christ-likeness. And again, notice how this all connects and intertwines together because this calling that he's referring to here, this was already mentioned back in verse 3. If you have a Bible in front of you, we don't have it on the screen, but look at it. Look there if you have a Bible. It says, we've been called to Jesus's glory and excellence, right? And now that's reiterated here. He, he puts a stamp on this point. He says, God brings us to himself. He, he gives us life. And this new life is evidenced through spiritual growth and spiritual fruitfulness. So this is one of those verses that highlights 
two things at the same time. It highlights the sovereignty and providence of God along with human responsibility. This passage shows us that there is God's activity. God is working. His grace is moving towards us. He's doing something and has done something. And yet, we are not meant to be passive. We do not do nothing. That as a result of him calling, as a result of him bringing us to himself, transforming us, empowering us, changing our desires, we strive to grow in these qualities of godliness because we love Jesus. And Peter says that those who are growing in this way, they confirm the fact that they are called. Well, then we close today with verse 11. And I think this this verse is just another great example of Peter's understanding of the person of of Jesus. You might remember last week in verse 2, Peter calls Jesus. He gives him this, this beautiful designated title. He says, Jesus, our God, right? What a claim to deity. Can't be more clear than that. Jesus, our God and our Savior. And now here in verse 11, if it's not on the screen, let's make sure it's there. We have the kingdom of God attributed to Jesus. Peter says, those who have been brought to life, who have been given all that they need for life and for godliness, people who are growing in Christ's likeness, who are bearing fruit and living effective lives, what awaits you? You see it here. Entrance into Jesus' eternal kingdom. Peter says, you, you are welcome into his kingdom. So here, we're looking forward to our future hope, where Christ returns, where a new heaven and a new earth are firmly established, and where Jesus takes his rightful place as Lord of all, all creation. And let me be clear, uh, once again, this is why we endure. This is why we make every effort, because this is where All of history is headed, entry into Jesus' kingdom. And I I so love the phrase that Peter uses here. We have entry into this kingdom, which is, listen to this, richly provided by Christ. This is so good, so good right here. I told you to underline and highlight and circle a word. Okay, back in verse 5, that word supplement. Peter told us to supplement our faith, remember? Uh, Meaning that we are to invest ourselves, to invest our time, our energy, and effort into our spiritual growth. We are to make every effort out of all that we have towards that end. Well, now here in verse 11, we actually have that exact same root word as supplement in the phrase that he will richly provide. Jesus will richly provide. It means, this is so good, listen, it means that Jesus himself, he will invest everything he has, all that he is, into this kingdom. That that he will supply it out of his own expense. And of course, we know that he has already done that at the expense of his life on the cross. Right? Don't, don't miss this truth today. Jesus died for you and I. 
He, he invested his life for us so that he could supply us, richly provide for us an eternal kingdom. Can you even begin with me to, to imagine or wrap your minds around this truth today? I, I don't know if you've ever had a, a good friend, or maybe it's a family member, uh, that whatever they invite you over to their house, uh, they just spare no expense. And, and so you get over there and you can't wait to be there uh, because Oh, I mean, maybe it's because like, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> um, but because you just know it's so nice there. They have the best food. They always bring out the best drinks. Like, it's always a good time. Uh, my Aunt Rose was that way. Uh, she's this little, very little New York Italian woman. Oh, I miss my Aunt Rose. I just loved going to her house. Uh, because she just absolutely spoiled me when I was a kid. All the time. Like, every month. We go there at least once a month. It was awesome. She'd have this room, literally. Like, she didn't even have, she, all her kids were out of the house. But she would transform this room. Set it up just for me. Every time I went over. She moved this huge recliner in front of, like, the biggest TV she had in her house. And she'd always put on, like, a basketball game or a football game for me. She, and then, oh, man, after that, like, that was good. Like, I can live there watching sports all day long, okay? Like, Saturday college football, it's coming. I could be, like, 11 a.m., 11 p.m. all day. I could do that. But it, it gets better, right? Because I'd sit there, and then I knew she'd do. She'd leave the room, but she's coming back. She was going to the kitchen. Okay, I'm sitting there like a king, right? Ten-year-old kids, and they're like a king. This Italian woman, New York, oh my goodness, she would bring it out. Oh, Never-ending supply of food and snacks and drinks. Just like I was full, and then it was like, did you enjoy the appetizer? You know? Oh, you know, like, oh, I remember like, oh, marry me, Aunt Rose. You know, Mary, oh, you're all, you know. I love my Aunt Rose. She's awesome. Uh, she knew all my favorites, right? She knew all my favorites. Uh, oh, I shouldn't even say this. No, I'm not going to say it. She knew all my favorites. <laughs> and it just, it, again, it just kept coming. She had all this stuff prepared for me. She just loved providing, richly supplying, giving to me. But listen, listen, at an infinitely greater level, so it is with Jesus. He is richly providing this kingdom for us. He's preparing it now, even. And he will withhold on that day when we we meet him face to face once again. He will, listen, he will withhold nothing, nothing from you. Nothing. Hear me, Jesus only knows one way to give. He only knows one way to love. It's it's wholeheartedly. And he is going to provide this kingdom to his people at his own expense. It costs you nothing at his own expense where there will be fullness of unending joy, unending peace, unending grace. 
This, this, this risen and, and reigning Lord, the one who has lavished grace on us at our conversion, who provides grace to us now in the present for godliness, he will provide future grace in glory. Do you see why we have so much hope today? We have a reason to gather together today as the church. We have, we have reason to praise him. We have reason We have real reason to to make every effort to be and to look like Jesus, to vote our lives to this. And if you're in this room today and you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're here today watching us online and you say once again, how how do I get this? How do I I enter this kingdom? How do I, I want that hope? How do do I get that hope? Well, again, again, it's simple. It's, It's by faith in Christ. That's where, it's, that's where it all gets started. It's just, it's that simple. It's by faith. It's by seeing Jesus as the Savior. It's by seeing Jesus as your Lord. It's by seeing Jesus as your King. You, you repent of your sins. It means you turn from your old life and you turn towards Him. You confess that you are in need, that you cannot save Yourself, and you put your trust and faith in Jesus because he can. You turn to Jesus, and when you do that, the good news of the gospel is that he will embrace you today with open arms. Jesus says everybody, anyone who is tired, burdened, weighed down by life, he says, come to me. Come to me. Stop looking in other places. Come to me, and I will give you rest. So go to Jesus today. Let him love you. Let him give you life. Let him transform you. And then, and then in that, start growing to be more like him. Live an effective life and share in this great hope that you belong to Jesus and are promised to be with him forever in his eternal kingdom. Amen? Amen. Well, right now I want to transition to a time of reflection and prayer.